Come on, listen, I'm telling you what, when we get the opportunity to worship Him and to come together, there's something that strengthens our spirit. Amen? Amen. And I got a sweet text from our pastor this morning. Uh, he's praying over this service, and we're praying over him that God will just use him mightily up at Pastor Hank's church. Is Hank, Pastor Hank Mays, I think, is where he's, he, is where he's at. Oh, that's really loud, isn't it? Do I need to move it, David? You're good? Okay. Well, when, when, the, when Jason asked me to preach, you know, I, I prayed about what I wanted to do, but actually what, I, what the Lord put on my heart to share with you is really what he's been sharing with me since the first of the year. Um, every year, towards the end of the year, I begin to pray like, Lord, what do you have? What word do you have for me uh, for the next year? Like what, like, what is my focus supposed to be? So in the past, it's been like focus on, um, on vision, fo- focus on victory. But this year, the Lord just gave me one word, and I was like, okay. And it was abide. And so the last seven weeks, and hopefully the continuing of the other however many is 52 minus 7. I'm not going to do the math. Y'all don't want me to. But my, my prayer is that I just stay focused on that. Because when the Lord speaks to you, speaks to you a word that He wants you to... Uh, to focus on, and, and it's not that, that, that you're ignoring other things in the Word, but He plants something down on the inside of you. And so the word abide has been planted on the inside of my heart. And so I began to, like, go, okay, Lord, what does this mean? And, and I've joked and told some of y'all who I've shared my, my, the Word with is that I'm a rhymer. I like to rhyme things. <laughs> so I was like, Lord, are you sure that's the only words you have for me? And so God being God goes, abide in me in 2023. And I was like, I can remember that. Come on. I can abide in him in 2023. So as I, as I um, was preparing for this, I was like, Lord, you've, you've planted so much in my heart that I want to make sure that what I share with you just encourages you and strengthens you be, and, and, and edifies you and, and just builds you up. So that when you leave here today, that you are drawn to that place of abiding in him. And so uh, I want to say this. When the Lord gives you a word, he knows what you're going to face. Amen. Can I tell you? January was a month of testing. Not like a day. But week after week after week. And I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, it's rolling into February. Y'all ever had one of those months? Where And I, I'm not even going to give the enemy any kind of glory for it. But let me just say this. Through that time, that's when the Lord was like, abide. I would get upset. I'd get frustrated. And I would hear the Holy Spirit say, abide. And I'm like, okay. And it's a life-giving word. I want us to start this morning reading John chapter 15. Y'all are very familiar with this story most likely. But I'm gonna, we're going to read this, and then I want to break it apart. I'm a word studier. I like to go in and find out what the original Greek or the original Hebrew was because there's always a richness in that that sometimes is not necessarily fully translated in the word because our language is not as pretty as theirs. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. You go to Hebrews, and it is a lie. It's just this, and you're like, oh, that means all that? Wow, love means all that? Hope means all that? And so you start, to, you start to see it. So let's, um, can we turn that, that right there is glaring for some reason. On, I can't read the board. Or better yet, wait, sometimes you just have to move the board. Is that good? No, it made it worse. But that's okay. I can look at it up here. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let's go to the next verse. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. Somebody say, abide in me. In 2023. (laughs) This is where it came. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are are the branches. I love that he repeats that, by the way, because it's like, in case you're confused, let me reiterate. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, I'm not going to go on and read the rest of those verses of John chapter 15, but I encourage you to do so. Because Jesus is talking to his disciples before he's headed to the cross. And this is the time when he is imparting all these things into his disciples. And he's telling them, listen, the world's going to hate you. All these things, you know, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he prays for his disciples. Then he prays for himself. Then he prays for the believers. And so I don't know about you, but the last thing that Jesus talks about before he went to the cross is probably a pretty important thing. Or it is in my book. So these are the words that he is encouraging his disciples who are about to lose Jesus. They're about to see him crucified as one of the worst, worst deaths that, he could, that they could even imagine for him to hang on a cross. And yet here he is encouraging them. And he's telling them, I'm not going to leave you. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you without help. Amen? Because in, in chapter 16 of John, he talks about giving him the Holy Spirit. And we may jump over there in a minute. But I want to go back to verse 1 because I want to break, break some things apart And I don't care what size font I use, it's never big enough. What is up with that? Come on. But I want to look at this. I want to go back over it because he says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. I'm not just any vine. I'm a true vine. And my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, there's two words right here. Well, actually, there's three. But there's, the first two that I want to I talk to you about is the phrase, he takes away. Because it sounds like if you don't do right, I'm just going to take you away. You're done. But that word, when you look it up in the original Greek, let me tell you what it means. It's the Greek word, aero. Probably not how you say it. But it means to raise or to lift up, to raise from the ground and to elevate. Doesn't that change the picture just a little bit? It says, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But read it like this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, he raises or lifts up from the ground and he elevates it. What's he doing? Remember, who is the vine keeper? The Father. When we're in a place in our life and we're not bearing fruit, sometimes it's a sick branch. Sometimes it's a branch that needs a little TLC to it. And God comes and he lifts you up. So that you can begin to bear fruit. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But I want you to get the understanding of the words. And every branch branch that bears fruit, look at this, he prunes. That word prune. Now to me, I think clip, clip, clip. Because y'all know I I, I don't do well with plants. If you've ever heard me preach, I've told on myself multiple times that even my family are like, why are you going to buy that? Because you're going to kill it. Am I right, boys? (laughs) Important now. I'm not even going to go there. But listen, here's what here's what pruning means. It means to cleanse, to purify, to make clean by purging or removing undesirable elements from it. See, God wants to come and clean you up and fix you up, not cut you off, not take you away. But if you read that and you don't understand that, you can all of a sudden think like, "Well, there's no hope for me." There's always hope in Him. Amen? Because He is working things out together for our good. He, he loves us and He wants us to bear fruit. Amen? Then it says, and, here, and, and I love this because when you know those two words, watch what happens in verse 3. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Jesus is like, look, you guys have already been clean because of the word. I've given you God's word. I've given you God's 
word. Um, Scott, will you go to um, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27? I want to show you something as a confirmation to that cleansing. Uh, husbands often hate this <laughs> chapter, but I want you to really get the, what it's saying. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus gave himself for the church that he might what? What does that say? Sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. God is cleansing us and purifying us and sanctifying us so that we can go and be a, be a light to a dark world so that we can bear fruit that feeds a hungry heart. Amen? I just love that. All right, go back to verse, um, verse 3 and 4 right there where you were just worse, Scott. Then he says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me now I don't know about you have y'all ever ha tried to have peace tried to love somebody come on trying to walk in love but they're making it difficult anybody ever been there come on tried to have joy when all you really wanted to do was ball up in a, in a circle and in the corner somewhere and cry y'all know what I'm saying and when we do that in our own strength, I don't know about you, it don't work. I will still be sitting in the ball in the corner two days from now crying unless I begin to abide in Him and allow His joy. Because His joy does not, is not dependent upon my circumstances. His joy doesn't matter what I'm going through. His joy is just something that God gives me. It's just something that he imparts to me. He gives me joy in the midst of craziness. Come on. He gives me love when I really want to be angry and be hateful. I can't, I can't give it if I don't have it. And so, and so what he's saying here is he's like, look, if you will abide in me and, and let me abide in you, <laughs> then you can bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. There's two things that he tells us right here. One, you can't bear fruit because as a vine, you're, you're ground, or as a vine, you're rooted, right? But as a branch, you're dependent upon what? The vine. And if you're not abiding in the vine, if you're not a healthy branch, and I want y'all to see this. I'm going to show y'all something in a minute. So I'm, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself because there's so much I want to, to pour out this morning so that you're encouraged but I don't want to get ahead of myself and, and jump all over my notes. But I need to have a connection, a healthy, somebody say healthy, a healthy connection to the vine because that's where my source of nourishment comes. You think about a vine in, a, in the ground and a, and a branch on it. That vine has a root system that goes down and it pulls out water and it pulls out nutrients and it does all those things and it feeds the branches and it causes things to bloom and it causes things to grow and suddenly you see, you see this beautiful plant and this beautiful fruit. Well, the branch didn't do it. Because here's the thing, if you have an unhealthy root system, you'll have an unhealthy plant. But when you have a healthy root system and you're attached to the vine, and can I just tell you, Jesus is a healthy root system. Come on, we need to be rooted and grounded in Him and in Him alone. He is my only source. He's my source of strength. Amen? I want to abide so that I can bear fruit. Look at verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in Him... We don't just bear fruit. Look what it says. We bear what? Much fruit. How many want to bear some much fruit in their lives? Can I tell you, life is hard sometimes. And you think, I don't know if I'll ever pop out some fruit. <laughs> Come on. But God says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, for without me, you can do nothing. Not only can you not bear fruit, but you can't do anything without him. 
But how many of y'all know that the Bible also says that with God, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen? All things are possible. And I love verse 6. And I think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, we can be cut off. And, and, and listen, you can't cut yourself off from the vine. I'm just going to go ahead. You can, you can turn your back on Jesus. But I believe, this is me, this is Sandy, and from the things that I've studied, I believe this is referring to those who are not saved. Because it says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. But it also tells us that there will come a time when those who didn't believe in Christ will be what? Depart from me, I never knew you. And, and, and those who are, have not abided in Him are lost. It's our job to make sure they learn to abide. Amen? Come on, let me introduce you to the vine. The life-giving vine of Jesus Christ. Alright? But then He says in verse 7, If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And by this My Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Come on, when you are bearing fruit, people look at them and go, they're a follower of Christ. That's what that word disciple means. It actually means that a follower, one who learns the doctrines of Scripture and the lifestyle that it requires. Somewhere along the way, we've had this, this thing that we're all saved by grace and there's nothing, nothing to do on our part. But that's not true. We're, to call, we're called to live righteously and to live connected to, the, to our life source. And we're not saved by works. Please don't ever think that I believe that. We're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace so that we can be empowered to be a light and to be a witness to a very lost world. And guys, we are living in a very lost world. We're living in a place where people's identity is being trashed. They don't even know what they are anymore. But we do, and we know whose they are. This woke generation are not awake. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? I'm loving watching. How many of y'all have seen anything about the Asbury Revival? <sighs> Man, it just blesses my heart. It's happening in colleges. It's happening in high schools. These kids are all of a sudden real, coming up and realizing God is real and they're just bumping into Jesus and there is revival that is taking place across the land. And if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's Asbury College. I think it's in Kentucky. I know there's one going on at Lee College in Tennessee. There's one going on up at Sampson, by the way. Sherry Davis just messaged me and was like, y'all got to read this. Come on, revival fire is coming because there's people who are hungry for God and they need some fruit. They need us to be some fruit. They need to see the fruit that we have so that when they bump up against us and they taste the goodness of the fruit, you can say, oh, taste and see. The Lord, He is good. He is good. And, he, and, and they're desperate for something. For, they're desperate for something real. They don't want religion. I don't want religion. I want relationship. And that relationship causes us to abide in Him and Him in us. It's a coexistence that He needs us and we need Him. We are His hands and His feet on this earth. We are the voice piece that declares the goodness of God. We're the, we're the generation who proclaims to the next generation, let me tell you what God has done. Come on, look at these youth around here. I have seen them in their worship. I've seen them hungry for God. I've seen them wanting to, to live and to do and, and, and to be strengthened. And I'm telling you, it's a generation that's hungry for God. It's a generation longing to see the presence and the power of God that they've heard about. It's time for them to see it. Amen. I'm praying for the, for the revival fires of God to be stirred. I'm going to share this. I, I hadn't even got a ch had a chance to share it with Jason, but... I've shared it with my family like in prayer last week and at the minister's retreat when we were down there, the Lord just gave me this picture. And this is, this is a rabbit trail, but y'all, I'll get back on track, I promise. Because I want y'all to see what I believe God is wanting to do and why it's so important that we abide and that we connect to God. Because I saw this, there's a bunch of us in here who, how many of y'all have ever went to Brownsville? Come on, I know, I know some, see the hands? How many of y'all have ever seen the power of God in a service? 
and, and know that God moves and God heals and God delivers. Amen? We know that. We've seen that. But there's a generation who hasn't. And as I was praying for, the, for our nation down at the retreat, the Lord just gave me this picture of a, like, it was kind of like a flat thing of our nation. And there were little bitty embers. Y'all know what an ember is, right? It's like when a fire's burned down, but there's still a little bit of heat left in there. And, and there's a fire that waiting to erupt. <laughs> and I feel like that's where we are in this generation and that there is a revival coming. I know, that, I know the enemy's at, at hard at work trying to prevent a move of God. But I'm going to tell you something. That just means God is about to move. Amen. Y'all believe that this morning? Because this is what I saw. I saw it in my spirit, just um, this picture. And all across the United States were these little embers just spread out all over the nation. And I began to pray. The Lord's like, pray for the winds of revival. And as I began to pray, I began seeing those embers turn into flames. Come on. Flames of revival are coming across our land. Amen? Are you ready? Are you ready? And then I, last weekend here in the prayer, before service, I began to pray. And the Lord brought that picture back to my mind. And I began to pray. And I believe there's an ember that's about to ignite in Greenville, Alabama. Amen? Because there's some people who know and want to see a move of God for this generation. Good rabbit trail. I, I hope that, I, I pray right now, Father, give them the vision that you gave me, Lord. Open up their eyes to see in the Spirit, God, that they would begin to pray for a spirit of revival across the nation, oh God. That they would begin to proclaim, let the, let the wind of heaven blow, God. Father, may there be tongues of fire upon their head, Lord, as they pray for our nation in Jesus' name. Amen? I pray that over you this morning. I declare it over you. Whoo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm fired up about this. Okay. God is so good, y'all. <laughs> Come on. He is good. Amen. Woo. Glory to God. And then verse 9 says this. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. If you want to uh, go to Matthew twenty two thirty six, because I, I love this argument when the Pharisees come and they're trying to test Jesus and they're like, well, what do you think is the greatest commandment? I think all ten are pretty great myself. But the Pharisees wanting to trip Jesus up, this is what He said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Like Jesus wasn't going to have an answer. Come on, y'all. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And if you look it up in the Old Testament, it says with all your strength. Whoa. Come on. With everything in you, you're going to love God. Go to the, ne is it the next verse. Yeah. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. God is love. Amen. Come on. Part of abiding in Him is letting the love of God flow through you and to you when you need it so that you can give it out to somebody else. Amen. Abiding in Him. I, I love it because, listen, He's already said, abide in me. Then he's, in one place He says, abide in my word and let my word abide in you. And then He says, abide in my love. Abiding doesn't just mean... Okay, I'm going to abide in Jesus. No, there's, there's a connection that takes place in that. Ezekiel 36, 27 says this, and I love this verse because it, it, to me it's almost a freeing verse. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. God says, I'm not even requiring you to do this on your own. But rather, I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes. And you'll keep my judgments and do them. See, when we connect to God and we get the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, He empowers us to walk in a way that is pleasing to our Father. That we bear fruit and that we glorify God. Amen? Does that mean we don't mess up? Uh, no. Go look, I want to read John 16, verses 
uh, 7 first. And I'm going to skip down. I'm not going to read all of this, because, but it's good. Go, go read chapters 14, 15, and 16 and just, just be blessed. Amen. It says, Jesus, Jesus has told them all this at, about the vine and that they're going to hate you. But he tells, listen, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I love it when Paul stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied, that in the latter days I would pour out my spirit on all flesh. My sons and daughters shall prophesy. Do you know you have the right to prophesy God's will over this earth? Come on, some of us need to open up our mouth and declare what God's word declares over your family, what the word declares over the church, what the word declares over our nation. Prophesy. Come on, speak what God has spoken. Then look down at verse 12. I'm going to skip down here for just a second. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the father has are mine. This is Jesus saying this. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So abiding in him connects us to the Holy Spirit and to the voice of the Father. Come on. That whatever Jesus said, Jesus never said anything without hearing his Father say it first. That's the way we need to be. We don't speak a word until we hear the Lord say, speak it. Man, it would shut a lot of us up at times and it probably needs to shut me up a lot of times. Amen. Do not amen in this corner. <clears throat> but I love the verse. Uh, I, I think I skipped this part. I told y'all I'd get ahead of myself. But it, but it talked about he makes us clean, right? And I want you to see this. Verse 3 where it says, You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. I want you to understand what that word clean means. It doesn't mean he just bathed off some dirt off, off of you and made you clean. Y'all ready for this? No. He cleans you. Unstained is what that word means. No, no stains. Guiltless, innocent, and upright. Why? So you can bear fruit. And you can carry the fruit to a world that's hungry. It's not our righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen? But God's righteousness cleanses, cleanses us and purifies us, and puts us in right standing with God. But I love it because it, it leaves us guiltless and innocent and upright. Some of y'all need to say this morning, I, that's who I am. I may not, you may not look like it, you may not smell like it, but can I tell you, God says, when I clean you, I purify you and sanctify you for my glory, for my use, for the Father to be glorified in Him. Look at... Um, See where I want to go. I want to go to 1 John 4, verses 7 through 16. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Remember, we're abiding in his love as well. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love or does not know God, does not love, does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Say amen. Come on. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word there is the atonement, the mercy seat. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Can I tell you, it's hard to love other people if you are not walking and receiving the love of God. But so many people have a hard time thinking and believing that God loves them unconditionally. He does. You are not ever going to be more loved than you are right this second. No matter what's going on in your life, God loves you. He loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you. That's love. That is love. 
No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. You see that? And his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Do you see how it's all interconnecting? And as we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as savior of the world, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we've known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Part of abiding is recognizing that God loves you, receiving that love. And if you notice, where's that verse? Let me find it. Look at verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Let me just say this. How is salvation? We believe it in our heart. We confess it with our mouth, right? And salvation comes when we acknowledge that God is who he says he is. And so I want, I want to, uh, can I get two volunteers? Who wants to volunteer? I was going to call the youth up, but I'm gonna, if they don't want to do it, they don't have to. I just need two volunteers. Don't make me call y'all out. Thank you, Ty. Ty's like, I'll do it. Come on, Jackson. Okay. Y'all, my goodness. Y'all are afraid of what I'm going to do. They don't even have to say anything. I just need y'all to stand right here for a minute. Okay. You can be, you can be the vine. Turn around and face them. All right, so this is the vine. I want to show y'all something. Because oftentimes we think when we mess up, we've lost our salvation. We haven't lost our salvation. We just need to get right, back right with God. Amen? Gosh, if, I, if, if the blood of Jesus was so powerless that every time I messed up and thought a wrong thought or said the wrong thing or acted in the wrong way, and then, oh my gosh, my salvation's gone, that's not much of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Come on. Jesus' blood is more powerful. My sins are wiped away. Yesterday, today, and forever, I am in right standing with my Jesus. Amen? Okay, so I want to show you what happens. So here's the vine, Jesus. You're a branch. He's out here not living. It's so hard for me to say this about you because you don't do it. Out here living for the devil. But he, he gets saved. He hears the word. And he gets saved. And all of a sudden, watch this, connect. Now you just stand out there. He's abiding in him now. Something comes along. Will you kind of squat? I know. You kind of squat and you get, go ahead and you go, go to, well, yeah. He's like, how far you want me to go? And this is what happens. The, he, he, you know, old ways, old ways die hard. Old ways die hard. But I want you to see what that verse says about coming and cleansing you. There you go. James like, I'm, how long is she going to talk? I'm going to get comfortable. <laughs> I love it. And so all of a sudden, the father comes. He don't chop him off. This is what the father does. He picks him up. Wipes him off. So now, go bear fruit. Did y'all get a revelation of that right there? Some of you are like, well, I don't feel like I'm attached to the mind. Baby, you're still attached. You just need to allow that. Y'all can go. Thank y'all. You just need to, you need to get a revelation that maybe what you need to do is just allow the Lord to do his job in your life. To come and to lift you up and to prune, to make you healthy in Him again. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying? Is this resonating with somebody out there today? That maybe you thought, well, Lord, I feel so unworthy. I feel so dirty. He cleans. He's like a car wash for our soul. Come on, just walk on in and let it spray. Let it scrub it all off. Y'all know what I mean? Anybody else ever want to just run through a car wash? Just for fun? <laughs> Come on. I'm joking, but listen seriously now. Some of you just need to just say, okay, God, I know I'm still connected, but my fruit's a little dry. It's not bearing anything. But God wants you to know that in that story, there's multiple people in that story. One is the vine dresser, the father. And he wants to pick you up and lift. He's not here to, to, to chop you off and leave you out here to wither and die. Jesus paid for you. 
He connected you to His Son so that you could have a life-giving source flowing through your body, flowing through your spirit, man, giving you life every day. And when you need it, sometimes, sometimes our spirit man just gets a little weak. Maybe because we're not abiding in the Word or maybe we're not abiding in the love of God. Somehow the enemy's convinced us you're not worthy. God doesn't love you. Liar. Liar. God loves you with an everlasting love and He wants you to be connected and to live abundantly on this earth. Not for the enemy just to roll over you like there's nothing important. You are important to Him. And when you feel like you can't go on, God comes and lifts you up when you're abiding in Christ Jesus. And there's this Son who's our life source. Jesus is my everything. He's closer than the breath that you breathe. He gave Himself for you that you could have freedom in Him and could be connected to Him. Christianity is not a religion. I know people title it as a religious. It's not. Christianity is unlike any other religion there is because it's about a relationship. Jesus wanting to connect with you and you connecting with Him and you receiving all that, all that He has for you. Really, honestly, you're just a conduit so that He can put it through you and you can pour it out to a world and it's just exponential growth of the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what we're all about. We should all be about our Father's business, and that's growing the kingdom. Why? Because there's people who need to know there's a kingdom of light right smack dab in the middle of darkness. Amen? And light dispels the darkness. But the Holy Spirit is present. What did He tell him? He's like, I'm going to give. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, and I believe that it's a connection between Jesus and you and, and there, the Holy Spirit is just back and forth. This is what the Father said. Go do this, Sandy. Go do this, Timmy. Go do this, Nick. Go do this, Heath. Come on, I got, I got, I got an assignment for you and the Holy Spirit is leading you. And we all know about the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We know that... The, and this is something else. I, this, is a, this is one of the things the Lord had to show me. Sandy, you can't grow this fruit on your own. This is the fruit of my spirit. You want love and joy and peace. Nobody wants long-suffering. <laughs> but out of long-suffering, out of patience, comes something greater. Amen? You learn to trust. You learn to, to connect and say, Okay, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand why I'm suffering through this. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know, but I do know this, that if you will let the Holy Spirit move in me, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll just stand here until I, until I see the answer. It's a waiting process. Kindness. See, we want love, joy, peace. We don't want, we don't want the long-suffering. Sometimes we don't even want to be kind if you want to be come on right down to it when we don't get our way. Come on. I'll just say, oh me. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentle, self-control. But see, I love that self-control is not a fruit of my flesh. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because I can't have self-control in and of myself. But if I'm connected to the vine and the life-giving Holy Spirit is flowing in, in my life and I'm abiding in Him and He's abiding in me and His Word is abiding in me and I'm allowing the Word just to get down on the inside and suddenly... I find those fruits. And you know what those fruits right there do? They feed the hungry hearts that are watching you. That fruit begins to feed that coworker that says, I know what she's going through, but my gosh, she's awfully calm about that. And she's got joy and she's laughing all the time. How is she doing that? And the next thing you know, they come in and say, Hey, Julie, man, what's your secret? And Julie gets looking and go, oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean? Come on. And then all of a sudden, you're feeding them fruit. But fruit doesn't just feed the hungry man. It empowers the believer. Come on, it gives you power. I, you know, I've started a, a job, and I've had opportunities just to share with some of my coworkers, and I'm like, 
they just get all excited, and I get all excited, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I'm giving them hope because I want them to know, you know, where my hope comes from, where my help comes from, it comes from the Lord. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Abiding, by the way, is not striving. See, Sandy's, Sandy is, in the natural is a striver. I strive for, for, for perfection. I strive for love. I strive to be nice to people. But striving is not abiding. So I know when the Lord said to me to learn to abide, I was like, he's about to do something in me that probably needed to be done a long time ago. Thank God he is slow and gracious, loving, long. He, he is long-suffering with us. Abiding is resting and receiving. It's partnering and carrying. That's what abiding is. And when we first came to Christ, drawn by the Holy Spirit, how many of you were desperate for, for something in your life? How many of you can look at him and say, you know what? When I came to Christ, I knew I needed a Savior. When I came to Christ, I knew my life was in shambles and I had to have some help. You came out of desperation, didn't you? Did you come run into the altar I can remember thinking, I just got to get down there. I got to get down there. I got I to meet this Jesus that this pastor is telling me about. Because I, I, I was like, he's got what I need. He's got what I want. But somewhere, this, this is what happens oftentimes in the church. And I'm going to talk to the mature believers for, for a minute. When you've been a believer for a long time and you've gone through lots of different trials and testings and, and events in your life. Sometimes we stop abiding and we become self-sufficient. I can do it myself. We become that little two-year-old. I do myself. I do it myself and make a mess, just like a two-year-old. Amen? Because we think, okay, Lord, I got this. Okay, Lord, I can deal with this. I got this. That's me. I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all. I can walk in love. No, I can't. I just thought I could. I can, I can walk in forgiveness. Then why are you thinking about it all the time? Why are you having a conversation in your head that says, if I could ever say something to them, I just... Anybody ever done that? Come on, you blessed them out in your head? Oh, y'all don't be all holy on me. Now, come on. I did it yesterday, and I was like, ooh, Jesus. And, and the Lord will convict me. I'm like, I know. Let me pray for him. <laughs> I bless them in the name of Jesus. I thank you that, you know, I'm like, I will get mad, and I'm like, y'all y'all are... Am I the only one really who does that? No. <laughs> Come on. You're like, if I could just say what I wanted to say, I'd just tell them like it was. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That would be your flesh. And so I, I, I've learned that somewhere along the way, in times past, I've, or even now sometimes, that I'm having to check, my, am I abiding? Am I, am I a healthy branch? Am I allowing the Lord to flow through me, to rest in Him, to know glory. We hunger for His Word when we're a new Christian. We're desperate for His love. I remember wearing a Bible out in about six months. It was a little cheap Bible from Walmart. You know, it was a little like, like paper. It fell apart because I was reading it. I was like, oh, man, do you know what this is in here? This is so good. And, and I was reading it and reading it, and, and I was so hungry for his word. But as time goes by, you know, it's easy to let this just sit there and think, oh, I know the word, and I'll just meditate on what I know. But you got to put it in. And so what plagues us is that self-sufficiency and that doubt that comes along. It's, uh, sometimes it's if I'm not, if we start thinking, like, if I just do enough for God, it'll be okay. I don't really have to have a relationship. I'm just going to work for God. I'm going to honor Him. I'm going to go live. And, and we, we aren't abiding. And we get over into works, trying to please God, not realizing you are a, the apple of God's eye already. See, I, I, it's so easy to, to quit abiding and to, to forget that what we're connected to is a life-giving source that wants to have fellowship with us. And wants us to have fellowship with one another. I've been so enjoying Jason and Joy's series on one another and just connecting. and Because it's life-giving. It's life-changing. But we end up striving for that which we already have. And that's Jesus. 
We're part of his kingdom. We're part of him. He's the vine. We're the branches. And all we have to do is just say, let it flow in my life, Lord. Look at Ephesians 2.1. I love this verse because I, I want you to let this just permeate through your spirit this morning. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You once were a part of that world, that world that needs Jesus. You once was, that was you. But he made you alive. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others But God, somebody say, but God. I always love it when it says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that's a sermon right there. All in of is you are seated in heavenly places this morning. You're seated with who? Him. Your life source. Your true vine. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we need to remind ourselves this morning what Galatians 2.20 says. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. How does Christ live in you? Stay connected to the vine and abide. Abide in him. Acts 17, 28 tells us, For in Him we live and move and we have our being. Come on. You've got a divine connection to the true vine who wants to cause you to bear fruit. And you can live and you can move and you can have your being in Him. And we can bear the fruit so that even when we go through trials and tribulations that we know God, when I falter, when I fail, whatever goes on, Lord, you're just going to lift me up and you're going to cleanse me and purify me because I'm connected to the life-giving source of Jesus Christ. I want to read a couple of promises to you uh, from the Psalms and then I'm going to close. Psalm 91, I'm going to, there again, go read the whole Psalm 91. is just, woo. All of his word is just woo. Psalm 91, 14 through 16 says, Because he has set his love upon me. This is talking about you. Because you've set your love upon him. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor, honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God says, when you're connected to me, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you on high. I'm going to answer you when you call me. When you go through trouble, I will be with you. I will deliver you and honor you and satisfy you with long life. Come on, that's that's a life-giving connection of being in Christ Jesus. Amen? But then I want you to back up just to verse 1 and 2. Because there's a, I want you to see this. (laughs) He who dwells, that word abide and dwells, basically the same word. That word abide, and I didn't even give you all this definition, means to remain or stay, not to depart but to continue to be present. uh, The Hebrew word for that, by the way, is yashab, meaning habitation, inhabit, or marry. Come on, you are the bride of Christ this morning. And he's coming back for his bride. Amen. He's gone, in case you didn't know this this morning, he's gone to prepare a place for you. And when he returns, he's going to take you with him. 
But listen to this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. There's that word abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. So I'm here today to declare to you, God wants you to abide in Him and let Him abide in you. Let the Word of God abide in you. Let His love abide in you so that you can bear fruit. You can bear fruit. Glory to God. You can bear fruit that that will feed the hungry soul and that will empower you. And I want to I want to just open up the altars. I'm going to tell you something. The altar is a it's not a magical place, but it's a precious place. It's a place where you can come and just get before the Lord and pour out your heart and say, "God, I need you." It's a place where it's just like it, it, sometimes it just takes the step of faith to step out and come to the altar. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Don't care. If the Lord draws you to the altar, run to it. (laughs) Run to the altar. Meet with Jesus. But I feel like in this room, there may be some people who have felt like they've been unclean, that they've been, just stuff has happened. Come on, stuff, junk just happens in life. James tells us, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Because in this life there will be trials and tribulations. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So I just invite you this morning. Maybe you just need to come up and thank God that you're abiding in Him. Maybe you need to come up and just say, Lord, I need, or better yet, just say this, Father, I need you to cleanse me today. I need you to cleanse me so I can start bearing some fruit. So the the altar is open. Come. And if you need prayer, I'll pray with you. Or if you just want to be left alone, you can just go, go away. <laughs> hey, I've done that before. Like, I'm good. Please, no, don't pray for me. I'm, I'm, it's just me and Jesus. <laughs> Amen. But let's stand to our feet. And let's just pray. Glory to your name. Can we just give him glory and honor this morning? Come on, just worship Him from your spirit this morning. Worship Him with a new, with a new song. Just begin to... Uh, hey, turn that up just a little bit, David. Yeah. Come on, just worship Him this morning.